Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, we're going to look at this morning. I'm going to be scooting around just a few scriptures, but I want to first start out Matthew 5 verse 3. And looking through to 10. Now, this is the Sermon on the Mount. And kind of doesn't do me justice to preach this because Jesus preached the best sermon ever when he preached this. And it is the greatest ever sermon. Uh, I believe it's a, it's a sermon that shows us how to live a life dedicated to God. How to treat people. And also benefit from God's wisdom and discernment. It fulfills and covers so much. And uh, if some people say that the Bible is irrelevant today. Some people want to read the Sermon on the Mount. Because I really believe it helps us in our walk with the Lord. And, and I want to look at the introduction. I remember when, when someone trained me about preaching and they told me about how to preach and they gave me some kind of tips. They, all, they almost always said to me, you know, always start off with a good introduction. Because people fall asleep. I mean, I've, I've had people fall asleep in my meetings. I've preached. And I've seen you. And I've heard you. I've heard you snoring. Do you know the other day I went to the cinema uh, in Cambridge, I went to watch uh, the Spider-Man movie, the new Spider-Man movie, it's good, uh, with my son. And I, and I was so tired when I went in there, I fell asleep. Literally, within the first 10 minutes, my, my son sat next to me, he's all excited, he's like, this is dad time. And all of a sudden, I fell asleep and I was snoring at the very beginning, till, the, till he nudged me. And then I realized the lady next to me, she was huffing, as though like, is this what, what the whole movie's going to be like? I just realized how tired I was. Sometimes when you stop... And you rest. But a good introduction is a great start. Why? Because it grabs our attention. And it's interesting that Jesus is going to cover some real key issues. Some real key stuff that is going to help people. And he's got crowds following him to this mountain to listen. So it's interesting that, I find this interesting that Jesus comes with some controversial, hard-hitting stuff that challenges people. But yet the crowds followed him. You know, some, some of us, we leave church if we get offended. You know, it, we, I don't like what they told me to do. I'm, I'm too, I'm, I need a comfortable church. And so many people these days don't like to be offended or challenged. But Jesus brings some challenging, offensive things to challenges in our daily walk. And he kicks off with an introduction. His, his introduction is a word that we all love as Christians, blessed. I mean, everyone like, come on, who likes to be blessed by God? Come on. And he starts off verse 3, he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'll tell you what, if I'd have been listening, I'd have been, my ears would have pricked up at this point. I'm poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Some of you today are going through mourning. In that crowd that have been people. He says, for they will be comforted. My ears are going to prick up. Blessed are the meek, for they'll inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I know I hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm not always righteous, but I do hunger and thirst to be righteous. He says, they'll be filled. Come on. Praise Jesus. Come on, Jesus. You carry on. This is a great sermon. Then verse 7. I don't know whether I'd fall asleep at this point. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Oh, dear. For they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers. I might just go to the loo at this point. For they will be called the children of God. And oh, back to verse 10. I have a walk again. Blessed are the persecuted. Yeah, I'm persecuted. If anyone went through my work week last week, they'd know what it feels like. I'm persecuted. Oh, because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus kicks off with some blessings. He kicks off with a great introduction. He's got their attention. But just let me remind you, wrapped up in some of these things that there is blessing, there's also a call to action. You know, in 1 Corinthians Corinthians 13, it talks about love. If you ever speak to someone about a wedding or they want to lead me to lead a wedding they always want first corinthians 13 read because of the fact it talks about love and it says this in first corinthians 13 13 now these three remain faith hope and love 
But the greatest of these is what? Love. Why? Because love is something that, it's the foundation, it's who God is. We had a message just recently talking about the very character of God, that he is love himself. He's not about love, he is love. And I look at some of these blessings that Jesus talks about and I'm like, wow, majority of these blessings are based on faith and hope. You know, blessed are the poor in spirit. Well, I'm feeling quite poor in spirit, so I've got to have faith and hope that I am going to, that, that, that theirs is the kingdom of heaven, that mine is the kingdom of heaven. I'm mourning at the moment, so faith and hope in him is that I'm going to be comforted if I trust in him. It's wrapped up in these, but some of these are based on you being loving. Some of these are based on you having an action. Blessed are the merciful. Listen to me, if you're going to show mercy to people, you've got to start loving people. There is a call to action. These things don't just, you don't just sit on the mountain and say, I'm blessed Jesus, just rain on me. He calls us to change our lives, to be more like him. I'm amazed at the amount of people say, you know, you just got to get in the presence of the Lord and be like Jesus. But yet they're terrible people to hang around with. Oh, I'm I'm just like Jesus I am. Are you? You know, you just got to be more like, the more you spend time in his presence, the more you like him. Listen to me. I get all that. But the, the, the question is, are you changing your actions? Are you showing love to people? There is faith and hope in the blessings of God. But there's also a call in our lives to have action and love towards people. And sometimes people who've hurt you. Sorry, I like to love people that love me. I don't know about people who've hurt me. What? It's a bit too far, Jesus. There is a work to be done. There is something, I say this a lot, that greater altitude requires a greater attitude. It requires work. It requires, if we want to move on in the things of God and go higher in the things of the Lord, then we've got to be like him. It, it requires action and work on our part. I was just at the school the other day, got Jacob's report through, and he'd, covered, he'd done his SATS exams, and, and I read his report, and it was just... You know, there was hardly anything that was negative. I'm like, wow, this is just an amazing boy. He's my son. Come on. Reading it. Have I got the right report here? Because this, this is not like him at home. Teacher's like, oh, I just, I, I, I'm going to miss him so much. And I'm reading this report and then I get to the end and it says this. Right at the very end it says, Jacob is an excellent role model. For the rest of the school, not just the class, the rest of the school. Like, wow, Jacob, high five. And then I thought, well, everything's so good, surely there's nothing much more to do. But there was a target. There's always a target, isn't there? There's always something more to do. There's a target, future target, Jacob. Keep on working harder. And then he says this. This is the words in the report. If you do, success will inevitably flow. And I want to say to you today, we love blessings from the Lord. We love God to bless us and sit under his presence and rain. Lord, rain down on me. Oh, blessed am I. But listen to me. If you want to be blessed by God, you've got to start changing your actions. We can't be terrible people walking around expecting God to bless our lives. It requires work. And when we put the work in and we live for righteousness, we live for holiness, success, blessing, if you want to call it that, will inevitably flow. Hallelujah. I understand the grace of God. But I believe that God requires us to be like this, to be active in our faith. Love is foundational. I'm blessed this morning to what? To be a blessing. I'm loved this morning to be loving. I'm forgiven by Jesus for all the stuff that I've done wrong that you don't know about. I mean, come on. If every one of us here, we spent a whole morning looking on a video screen of what you've done this week. 
Come on, stop being trying to be holy, Joes. You know that when you're here today, sometimes you can't lift your hands in worship because you know what you did just yesterday. Come on, I'm not trying to act like I'm perfect. Listen to me, we've got to understand that the blood of Jesus covers us all our sins. And I come in here today and I worship Jesus because of what he did for me, not what I did. Hallelujah. I am loved by Jesus, so I've got to be loving. I'm forgiven, so I've got to forgive. I'm at peace with God. The Bible says he gives a peace, not like the world gives. I'm at peace, so I've got to be a peacemaker. Come on, if you're not a peacemaker in this room, I want to question, is the Spirit of God really flowing through you? Come on, stop telling me about the miracles you've done. I want to see people making peace. Hallelujah. The room went quiet then. The title of this message is, I'm just getting there, don't worry. Unless they already showed it. Love beyond reason. It's beyond reason. I've come, to, I've come to learn something in my recent years that God is, is showing me that if I want to live the life as a Christian, I have to live with a love that goes way beyond the reason of what the world knows. If he gives a peace not like the world gives, he also gives a love not like the world gives. And let me tell you, if you're in relationships right now, if you're not a Christian... You might be looking for relationships in a man or a woman. You are a Christian. You will never find the love that God gives in a person. If you're trusting in your family, if you're trusting in people that showed you love once and now they've failed you, let me tell you today that God is the only one who has perfect love. See, I'm not trusting in the one who let me down. I'm not trusting in the fact that they've hurt me. I'm trusting in the one who is love. Hallelujah. Matthew 5, 38, 48. We're going to go through to now. Because I want to look at something that Jesus goes on to say. Because we can't look at it all right now. But we start off with those blessings. And then Matthew 5, 38. Jesus says this. If, you, if you're in your NIV Bible, it's got a little section that says, love your enemies. It's that bit where you normally skip across. You know, you try and find something a bit more nice. and Love your enemies? Verse 38, it says this. This is Jesus' words. You have heard that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. He's referring back to Exodus, Leviticus, and, and, and Deuteronomy in the Old Testament. Verse 39, but, but I, Jesus says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. Come on. Verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. Come on. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, come on, what do you say Jesus? But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. We all love to be children of God, but we don't like to look at what's required. Do we? He said that you may be children of the Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. Check that out. And sends rain on the righteous and unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Verse 48. Be perfect. Therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. I want to ask a question today. How can you love your enemies? How can you have a love beyond reason? I'll tell you how. Simple. John Lennon said this about 50 years ago. He says, all you need is love. The Beatles classic. Yes, all you do need is love, but people are still trying to find out what that means. John Lennon never really understood it. They all sing about it. You look at most songs. Most of the songs today are depressing. They're in the charts, but you listen to songs. People are trying to search for what is love? What is true, real love? 
And, and let me tell you, if you understand the love of God, how much he loves you, and you take hold of that, and you'll never fully understand it, but you take hold of that, you, you wrap yourself in his love, you will begin to understand how to love people who've hurt you. Because it's not requiring your love. It's not requiring what you can conjure up inside of you. To I'm going to try and overcome these feelings. It goes beyond feeling. Hallelujah. All you need is love. Yes, it is John Lennon. And I found it. His name is Jesus. The son of the living God. Who died on a cross for me. He shed his blood for me. And you can know it today. If you're in this room today and you don't know Jesus, the power of forgiveness is here today because God's sent his son for you. To die for you. So you can receive him. It's only with God's love. And there are situations that people are facing right now. You've got conflicts, disagreements. Families. Friends. Your wives. Relationship. Do you know what? There's conflicts and disagreements all over this room behind the scenes. You know, you might have got your best dress on today. You might have got your best suit on, guys. But behind the scenes, even on the car on the way here, there's tension. There's tension. There's tension. And you come here and you sing the songs. You sound so good. Listen to me. I'm just, I'm stating the truth. And you walk through and say, hi, praise the Lord. It's good to see you this morning. And you just, you just said something to your wife in the car. That you didn't like, you wouldn't want anyone to hear. Oh, can I get you a coffee? Come on, it's true. Conflicts, disagreements everywhere. And Jesus knows this. That's why he says, you gotta get, you gotta get my love inside of you. You've got to understand what it is to be able to deal with some of these issues because the world will not give you the answer. You don't come to church just to sing a few songs to feel good so you feel better on the car on the way home. You need to come here and say, God, I come for forgiveness, for your grace, your mercy, to come into the presence of the Lord. So I'm changed. So I know your love. I know how to be loving. I know how to be graceful. I know how to be merciful to those around me. Hallelujah. You know, just recently when I was flying on an airplane from, from Pakistan on the way back, all of a sudden, have you ever had that when they said, we're going to hit a bit of turbulence? And they, they said, buckle up. And you put the seatbelt. I never liked turbulence. It just feels worse than what it really is. I'm sure that the pilot are just moving around the plane just for something to do. And it's like, should we, just, should we just tell them there's a bit of turbulence and just move the plane around? It's a bit boring, this flight. It's all run by a computer anyway, so let's just have a bit of fun. And they tell you there's turbulence, and then you feel, I, I don't like landings, and I don't like turbulence. I don't like the feeling. And, and, and I'm in the aircraft, and if you notice, when turbulence comes, they'll try to get out of that turbulence. Sometimes they'll rise up, because turbulence is from the heat, and the, heat air, uh, the hot air rising, and sometimes they have to climb above that to get to a different altitude. So they have to get higher up, to get away from that so they can get to a different place to avoid the turbulence. And I want to just say today, there are some people in this room that what's happening right now in the midst of your life is that there is so much turbulence going on behind the scenes. There's so much you're trying to hold and hide at home in your home lives with conflicts and disagreements and challenges with the relationships. There is hot air rising. There's hot air rising. And the temperature's getting hot in your house. Things are not good. Things are not good in your families. And hot air is rising. But can I say, when hot air rises, you've got to do what the plane does. You've got to change your altitude. You've got to get above the hot air. Come on. You've got to change your altitude. You see, some of us, what we do is, we, I said it earlier, I always preach this. Good attitude will, will, will take you to a higher altitude. But actually, sometimes, you know what you've got to do? Change your altitude to get the attitude. Why? Because if you change your altitude and you get into the presence of the Lord, you get into spiritual realms. Because the Bible says this in Ephesians 1 verse 3, Praise be to the God and our Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has what? Has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. <sighs> Come on. Okay, I want the blessings. I'm going to change my altitude. I'm going to get into the presence of the Lord. 
I'm going to change my altitude in order to change my attitude. And so some of us, rather than trying to be better, we need to spend time more with the Lord. Changing our altitude. Galatians 5.22 says this, the fruit of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is available to all, is love. It's the first thing it says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. I want to ask you the question today. Are any of these things, characteristics, living out in your life? Is love, the love of God, living out in your life? Is joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness and faithfulness, living out in the midst of your life? I want to bring just a few things today to help you. What I believe that the Lord wants from us when he teaches this about love being beyond reason. And number one is this love. We need to love Beyond our perspective, the way we see people. So the way you see individuals, you're seeing people all the time who've hurt you. We need to love beyond our perspective. Verse 38 of Matthew 5, Jesus said this, you've heard what it was said, that it was said, eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. Verse 39, Jesus says, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. Do you know what some of us do sometimes? We have this kind of degree of level of who I'm going to resist and who I'm not. Who's going to be in my life? Who's going to be let into my, let's call it the circle of trust. I'm going to let you into my circle. If you don't meet my criteria, if you've hurt me and you've damaged me and you've done something and said something to me, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to park you outside my circle. And so what we do is we have this level where we decide who deserves mercy, who deserves my love. Uh, because because God's done something in me and I know I'm, I'm feeling the presence of the Lord and, and I know God's with me. Let me tell you, we'll feel the presence of the Lord. But that doesn't stop you from doing these things. Some of us can sometimes push people out and you have a category of people that you know right now in your mind that you have pushed outside your circle. They're not part of your circle because you've said, God, you've even taught yourself. You're believing your own lie that God has allowed this. He thinks it's okay. These people are, yeah, you've got to, you just need to stick these around you. Listen to me. There are people pushed outside your circle now who need the love, the mercy, and the grace of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You need to love beyond what you can see. And do you know what Jesus says, verse 39? I find this amazing. He says, don't resist an evil person. Don't resist them. In other words, welcome them. There's only one thing you need to resist that the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7. Do you know what that is? The devil. Do you know what people do? If someone's hurt me, oh, they're just like, that's, that's the devil. That's the devil. So I'm not letting them near me. I'm not going to let them into my circle because they're damaging my faith. They're damaging who I am. They're damaging me. Listen to me today. When you do that, do you know what you're actually doing? You're welcoming the devil. You've actually welcomed him in. It's the very thing he wants. When you resist evil people that Jesus says you shouldn't do that. When you resist those who've hurt you and you resist those who've been an enemy to you. What you're actually doing is you're resisting them and you're welcoming Satan into your heart to do damage. Why? Because bitterness will grow. Bitterness will grow. And so what happens is the very contrary to what Jesus wants for you happens. Because we actually do these things. We think, oh, it's good. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to push this person out because it's good for me. Listen to me. You've got to show love and mercy. I'm not saying you've got to spend time with them all the time and have a coffee at Starbucks. You, know? you don't have to do that. Just send them an email. You don't have to meet them. You don't have to be friends with everyone all the time. Let me release you from that. You can't be friends with everyone all the time. But some of you in your hearts have pushed them aside. And what happens is, the devil knows this. 
And he realizes that what actually you've done is resisting that person is welcoming him to allow bitterness to creep in. We resist the devil, James 4 verse 7. Resist the devil. That means resisting his works. His things that he's trying to do to affect our faith and our walk with Jesus. But some of us, we like to resist people. You know, we, we pray prayers to try and, ch- Lord, change that person. If only they knew what they were like. You know, when I was at work in, in the previous job I used to work, that my boss, we'd have a funny relationship. Some days he'd really, really wind me up. You know, any day that he wound me up, do you know what I did? I just went on, I went on Google and tried to search for another job. I thought, I hope he does see what I'm looking at online. If he sees, then he'll know that I'm going. Then by, by lunchtime, I thought, no, I really like this place, really. I don't really want to leave. And he used to wind me up. And when he wound me up, we'd have this real relationship where he would, we wouldn't talk. We just wouldn't talk. He'd, he'd go in his office and I'd just do my thing. We knew that after a few days, we'd kind of make up. But sometimes, you know, I used to pray and say, God, move him on. Come like a mighty rushing wind. When I get in on Monday, Lord, change his job title. Shift him out of this place. Move him on. Lord, if you can move things, move him now. And so what we do is sometimes we ask God, we, we almost think we shove people outside our circle of trust. And what we do is we start to pray to God and, and, and our prayer life is more like this. Lord, just you need to, you need to change that person. You need to change them. You need to move them on. Please, Lord. And then the next time you meet that person, you just check in whether the prayer's been answered. <laughs> just looking at them. Have you found, are you interested in any work at the moment? Any other things? I really believe that, you, you know, you've got great prospects. No, no, I'm still doing that. Okay. Lord, it's not happening. Come. Do you know what we're trying to do? Our prayers are trying to change God's perspective. To match our perspective. That's what you do. So instead of love being beyond our perspective and loving people beyond our perspective, what we do is we start to pray and ask God. We're saying, God, it's almost like we're saying, God, here's my perspective over the situation. Just spend some time with me and I'll share it with you and you might get it. If you get it, then we'll be, you know, we'll be on the same wave, wavelength here. And then we can do this together, Jesus. You try to change God's perspective. Listen, you can't change God's perspective. You need to align your perspective with his perspective. And his perspective is love your enemies. Love those who hurt you, persecute you. Come on. It's true. You see, what happens is when you start to believe that your perspective is right, that people need to be changed, and you're asking God to change his perspective, do you know what happens? You walk around your life being problem conscious, looking for problems in people. That's all you ever do. You're looking for problems. You look for problems and you miss their potential. You miss their potential. You're like, I don't like what I see in you. Listen to me. I don't like what I see in most people. I don't like what I see in me. I mean, have you looked in the mirror recently? It scares me. Who I can become. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. So stop trying to make everyone else to be like you. Because if they're like you, they're not perfect. You're not perfect. Just get that clear. There's only one who is perfect. It's the Son of God. Do you know what we suffer from? I call it plank perspectives. Plank perspectives. Jesus said this in Matthew 7 a little bit later on. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own? Do you know, whatever you found that looks really, really bad in someone, I hate to say, but there's something in you that's a bit bigger. It might not be the same. It might not look the same. But God would point it out if you want him to. And you don't want him to. You don't want him to point out. Because where every little bit of speck and sawdust you see in someone and you want to try and change that. 
Jesus is like, come on, have you seen that plank? Have you seen that plank? And listen to me, if you really want God to show you, he'll show you. And it won't, it will be the hard way. Some of us have got to realize that actually when I spot sawdust, I'm going to be just loving. I'm going to love people, whatever I see. I'm not going to have a plank perspective. I'm not going to, going to look at you like that. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm going to love you. I've put here that if God can change your perception, he can change your affection. If he can change your perception, he can change your affection. I, I, I often think this, that when I look at someone and they, they've hurt me and they've harmed me, do you know what I do, and it's a good little tip, is put your skin on their body. Put your face on them. Because whatever they've done to you and hurt you with, let me tell you, you're just as capable. You're just as capable. You're not so holy. You're just as capable. That's why Jesus died for us. And some of us need to look. And when we see those who've hurt us, we're going to change and say, Do you know, I'm going to look and I'm going to see that it could be me. That could be me. 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul said this, For Christ's love compels us. He didn't say, Oh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and feel better about people that I'm preaching to, are abusing me, hurting me. Christ's love compels. It does something inside of us because we're convinced, he says this, that one died for all. Some of you are thinking today, maybe this is hard preaching. I'm asking you to do things that you don't want to do. But I'm, listen, if you're going to sing about Jesus and you want to be like Jesus, then be like him. Don't just, don't just pray for the healings and say, oh, I'm like Jesus because I see miracles and healings. That's just one facet. That's just one facet. But, but God requires all of our lives to be submissive to him. He requires all of us to be, all of our lives to be submissive. And if you want to have the perspective that Jesus has, this is the kind of perspective I want. Because when Jesus was on the cross 2,000 years ago, and he had just been, he'd been beaten, flogged, the skin on his back, ripped from his back like ribbons. He's took to the cross. He's had a crown of thorns dug into his head. He's had them hit him round with sticks and beat him across the head. Slap him in the face. And they put him on the cross. And he can look at his torturers. That's what they were. He looks at them and he, and he still sees them with love. All he has to say is, no, I'm not the son of God. Just take me down. I'm not who I said I, I was. But he doesn't. His actions continue to sustain who he is till he dies for you. He looks at his torturers. His perspective is nothing more than I absolutely love you. Next time you look at someone and think, I don't know if I can go to that kind of level. Let me tell you, you've got to change. You've got to change and look at what Jesus looked at. Think of what he saw when he realized they're the ones who just, they're the ones who had the hands with the weapons in their hands hitting me. They're the ones who were scourging my back. All I have to say is, no, I'm not. Let me down. All I have to do is call angels to come and they'll come from heaven. But no, no, I'm not going to do that because love wins. Love wins. And for you and for me, love always wins. It always wins. Romans 5 verse 8, he says this, While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Hallelujah. In other words, he looked at you. Heaven looked at you. And the darling of heaven, as we sing, was crucified. He steps out of heaven to be crucified. He looked at you, not because you were good, but because you were a mess. He looked at you in your worst state and says, I want to redeem that brother. I want to redeem that sister. I want children for heaven. He looks differently. His perspective is different. In Luke 15 verse 20, the father, when he sees the prodigal son coming back, he says that he was filled with compassion for him. Do you know, the, the, the father is a great representation of it. The father, God the father. As he sees this son coming back, it, it doesn't say he was sat in the house 
waiting for him to knock on the door and holding his pride and waiting for the, the son to knock and ask a few times and thinking, oh, I'll just let the door, doorbell ring just a little bit more just to show him. I'll just put the music on as I'm just listening to some music. Oh, who's that? Oh, it's my son. No, he doesn't. He says he went out to meet him. That's when you lower your pride. Some, of, some people today, you need to stop being so prou- proudful. Drop your pride. Drop your pride of who, who you think you are. Drop your pride. If you drop your pride, you get outside and you meet the son. You meet the person that hurt you. You're there with your arms open wide, filled with compassion before they even know it. Because some people are walking back and they're on their way back to the house. And this is what's happening. There are some Christians, they're locked up in the house waiting and they'll let the doorbell ring. I'm going to wait until you really, really sure that you mean it. Come on, ring it again. No. Luke 15 teaches us very clearly that if we want to love people beyond reason, we've got to get out the door, run out and meet them filled with compassion. And the only compassion is the one that, that Paul spoke about in 2 Corinthians that compels him. Compels him. It does something inside of us. Number two, we need to love beyond our parameters. Parameters. So many of us have got a measure of when we decide we're going to love someone, how much we're going to give them. What are we going to do? There's a level. There is a measure in what I'm going to do. In Matthew 5 verse 40 to 41, Jesus says this, If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two. Two. Go the extra mile. Do double. Do additional to what they request. In fact, they don't even have the right to request it. They don't have the right to request that from you. But don't just fulfill their requirements. Go an extra level. Now, this is getting a little bit too much now. If anyone wants to go and get a coffee, you can. (laughs) But I'm talking about changing your parameters here. You can only change your parameters of how much you love God when you understand his love for you. Stop trying to make it your own love and understand it in your own context. You can't do that. You have to get God's love inside of you. And if God's love is not working on the inside of you, you have to question where you're at in your faith. I've learned something in the recent years that God has really taught me a lot about loving people. Let me tell you. How to love people that have hurt me, that have let me down. But listen to me. I want to encourage you. It's there. It's accessible. It's amazing. It's amazing grace. It's amazing love that comes on the inside of you that allows you to do things that you want to do. You've got to change the measure. You've got to change the parameters of how you love people and it comes from the source of God himself. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I asked, I don't know if he's here today, normally comes to second service, Marvelous. Is Marvelous in the house? No, he's not. I asked Marvellous, I've been going to the gym for six months and I said, I thought I need to push myself to another level. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to, look at, I'm going to get Marvellous in. Marvellous is just looking huge at the moment. Marvellous, you can be my personal trainer. I took Marvellous to the gym with me. I bought him lunch. After. We had a burger after just to, just to make up for all the work we did. I needed the calories. I took him in to the gym. I said, look, I've been in this six months. I need you to teach me some more things. I need you to push me. So he did. He pushed me okay. He pushed me right. And he, he said, I, I want you to do these. And he showed me these new exercises, muscles that I found in my body that I didn't think I had. And so he, 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 we're there in the gym and he says, you do this. And he, he just sat there on his phone watching me. He's great, great position for him. And he was telling me what to do. And I said, how many reps? He said, four sets of 12. So four sets of 12, I said, I normally do eight. Three sets of eight, he said, no, four sets of 12. And so I, I started to do that. I was in pain, serious pain. And he taught me, he said, I'm going to write it all down for you and I'm going to send it to you after. And he did, he, he wrote it down. He says, this is what we did so you can know for next time. I thought, I don't want to be reminded, to be quite honest. But <laughs> So he sent me this and then the next time I went, I went and I was all on my own this time, you see. So I didn't have the luxury of Marvelous. In fact, at one point I thought, I can't even remember how to pick the weights up. I phoned him up. He said, how do I do this? But I was, I was in there, and do you know what? The temptation was this. See, when you get someone who's more experienced than you, and they're teaching you, and they're pushing you, and that's what God wants you to do. He wants to push your parameters of your love. This is what happened for me. When I was on my own then, 
There's a temptation then to not put the weight on that he put on for me. Because he ain't there. I can, next time I see him, I can just tell him, yeah, I did four sets of 12. I just don't tell him the weight. I just don't tell him I reduced it slightly to what he wrote down. Yeah, I did four sets of 12. And, and I realized something that what I did is, when he wasn't there, because I knew he couldn't see me, what I did is I changed my parameters to something more comfortable. And what you do sometimes is we can have this atheistic view of God that he can't see you in what you're doing. And by the way, he can because he knows the motive of every heart in this room. (laughs) So you try hiding from him. You can hide it from me, but you can't hide from God. Hello? Come on. He knows your heart. He knows the motives of your heart. Everything. And so what happens is we, we get this position where we look good, we sound good, We're saying all the right things, but when we get on our own and we're outside the view of other Christians, we change our parameters. Oh, no, they won't know if I just look the same, but the weight's different. It's more comfortable. And what happens is we change our parameters to suit us to be more comfortable. And I want to say to you today, we need to change our measure, change our parameters of how we love people. The level of love that we show to one another. And I want to tell you today that Satan, I, I, I really believe this, is trying to set your mercy measure. He's trying to set your, he's trying to set your dial. My, my mum and dad, if they ever come to visit me in our home, they're from up north, so they like to save money. And when they come in our house, if I walk around the house, particularly in winter, if I go upstairs and I've got all the lights on upstairs, I go upstairs, every, everything's off. I have to, honestly, I have to follow my mum and dad around and turn everything back on. They say, we're just saving money. I said, no, I want the light on. When I walk up the stairs, I want to know where I'm walking. The heating's changed. The dial's changed. And, and, and everything's changed because, oh, now we've opened the windows. Now, I love my mum and dad, but they, they like it at a different temperature to me. They change my dials. They change my switches. Who's measuring your love? Who is turning your dials? Who is controlling what you, how much you love people? Because God wants to push you to the limit so you can live in the fullness of everything he has. In Galatians chapter 5, one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. Come on, you've got to take hold of your own thermostat. You've got to say, I'm in control of this. No one else is in control. I'm in control. God has given me the ability by his Spirit to have self-control, to set the bar high. To set the measurement high. Luke 6 and verse 37 to 38. Jesus says this. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Mm, That's interesting. It's interesting if you don't forgive. What's what's going on there? I I was praying for someone in a church just recently. I was not seeing healing take place. Nothing was happening. I kept praying for this person. And then I had a word of knowledge. I felt the Lord say she has not forgiven someone who hurt her. And I said, hang on a minute. I said, before we carry on, I said, have you, there's someone who's hurt you in the past that you've not forgiven. I said, you need to ask God for forgiveness. And she she opened up, totally broke on the spot. We spent the next 20 minutes going through a prayer and asking God to forgive. And she forgave that person for what they did. Then after that, I prayed and God started to move on her. I realized that a door of access had opened. Why? Because we, we have to forgive, then we will be forgiven. Give, verse 38, and it will be given to you. Listen to this, a good measure. We love this bit. Put this on the fridge. If it missed 37 out, just put 38. A good measure. Press down. Whoo, shaking together. Come on. And running over. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll be poured into your lap. Come on, get the milk out of the fridge. That's a good fridge magnet, isn't it? I like that. It makes me feel good. But then he says this, you, you probably won't see this bit on the end, or it might be in small print at the bottom. For the, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, what you give is the measure in order what you expect to receive. What you, the level of forgiveness, the measure, the parameters of forgiveness that you give... That's what you better expect your way because what you measure, God is looking in the same way at you. I want to ask you today 
to change your parameters to what God wants for you. In Ephesians 3.20, everyone loves to quote this scripture. They say, now to him who is able to do, come on, put another one for the fridge, immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Come on, Jesus. I'm going to go to the prayer meeting this week because you can do immeasurably more. You can give me that job. You can give me that wife. You can give me everything I want. Wow, 320 is my first. But he says, but it's according to the power at work in us. Now, let me ask you, what's that power? What's the power that he's talking about that it's according to? In other words, it's immeasurably more, but it's according to some power. So let's look at the context, because context always helps you. So we look at Ephesians 3, 17 to 19, and this is what Paul says. I pray, he's praying, that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to what? To grasp how wide, here's the measurements, and long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. Look, I want you to have the power to understand, to grasp this knowledge and understanding. It's absolutely massive. The measure of God's love is immeasurable. And to know this love, verse 19, that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Wow. In other words, if you want God to give you what is immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine, you need to do that according to the power at work in you, that actually the love of God is so prevalent in your life, that actually if you want to see things God gives you, then you better be loving to people. You better understand this love. I've put here, to live under the immeasurable blessings of God requires living out the immeasurable love of God. Hallelujah. To, to, under, to live under it, that immeasurable blessing, it requires us to live out that immeasurable love. I believe that God wants to see our hearts living in that immeasurable love. Understanding it's, it's so wide, it's so deep. That then when we ask him, we understand how we are to other people. It's not so long back, someone hurt me deeply. And I felt the Lord say to me, because my flesh said, my measurement barometer said, give up. Don't, you don't, you don't want to push them outside of the circle. They don't deserve anything. That's what the enemy wants. Resist the person. Resist, but resist, resist, resist. No, I'm not going to resist. I'm going to get into the presence of the Lord. I'm going to, I'm going to sit under your immeasurable love, Lord, that's wider and deeper than I can ever imagine. Because if I, if I want you to restore something, then I've got to understand that I've got to get into your love and understand the way you think. So I'm going to sit under that, the reign of your presence, of your love. And so as I began to do that, and in my flesh, I, I thought I was, you know, I'm going to buy a gift for this person. And so I, I thought, I'm going to get this gift. So I got a gift and I spent lots of time preparing this gift, put a lot of thought into it. And I took this gift and left it with the person. And before I went, the same week I went to deliver the gift, that person hurt me even more. And I had the gift ready to take. And that person hurt me even more. And so the, the devil came to me and said, you know that gift you've got? You, you could have all that. You could have that. Why don't you have it? You, that person doesn't deserve it. You deserve that more than they do. And so I had the gift and I was, I thought, where's, where's this voice coming from? The test in which to change my measure. And do you know what I did? I said, Lord, give me the ability to give this the way you'd give it. Because the reality is, when you died on the cross... You died while I was still a sinner. You looked at me and no matter what I did, Lord, you still love me. So I'm going to love. So I took the gift and I gave it anyway. 
And I gave the gift knowing that it's not about what I get back. It's not about that because Jesus says you've got to, give, you've got to bless those. You've got to give to those even if you're not going to get any reward back. Don't look for the reward. Just look for God's. Because listen to me. If you do it, God's love will change your heart. You will be changed. You will be. Listen to me. God is changing me. He's changing me. And it's, God will sometimes bring you to these places of tests in order to reveal the immeasurable love. And so now when I ask God and say, God, I, I believe you can do immeasurably more, it's because I've understood his immeasurable love. What I sit under. You see, forgiveness is not just a word. When you go the extra mile, it breaks down the parameters. It pushes the borders. He says, do you know what? I'm not going to have any parameters here. I'm going to go extra. I'm going to go beyond. I'm going to go way, way out. Romans 12 verse 20, Paul says this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Now, I don't want to heap any burning coals on someone's head when I give them a gift. So, that you know, they're hurt. But I believe this means not anything about hurting someone. Do you know what it means? It means that they will not be able to understand it because it does not compute. God's love does not compute with the human mind. It cannot contain it. It cannot fully understand it. So the burning coals means it's going to be so, it's going to be hard to understand. And what it will do is when someone doesn't understand something, it drives them to find out what is it then? What is it that drove you to do this? I want to find out because this is far beyond what I can think someone would do. So I'm going to find out about what it is that caused you to do that. When you do, it leads them to Jesus. Hallelujah. Come on. It's not, it's not rocket science. We do this and we believe God and we love people. God will do the rest. Finally, as I come to close, number three, love beyond your pain. You've heard what it said. Verse 43, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That you may be children of your Father in heaven. Maybe you've been wounded. Seriously wounded by someone. I sense there's people here today that you've been suffered a a severe blow. And sometimes these blows are not just in your back, but they're in your front. It's not behind your back, it's directly to you. The wounds are so hard that you are saying, God, I'm in that bleeding stage. I'm not in the scar stage. I'm in the bleeding stage where someone so hurt me. I don't know if I can get past this stage. But let me tell you, healing's going to come because we serve God who's a healer. And he heals the broken heart. He'll bind up the broken hearted. He'll bind you up. He'll heal you. So let me tell you, there's a promise there from God. No matter how you're feeling right now, no matter what someone's done, said to you, Let me tell you, the promise from God is, I'm going to heal you. Now, healing's a process sometimes. It's not immediate. You can't just come out to the front and be prayed for, and all of a sudden your heart's just complete. I'm I'm feeling good. Sometimes you're going to have to go through a process of healing, but God is with you. But some of you today, you to love beyond your pain, to break the parameters, to go beyond that is so hard because you're in pain. It's hard. If I ever go to the gym and I have to, and I look at the, the things that Marvelous said for me to do, but I've injured myself, pain makes it difficult to fulfill what I read. And sometimes for you, you know what you want to do, but you can't do it because you're in pain so much. But let me tell you, God is going to give you the ability to get past the pain, to get past the wounds. You see, what happens is this. Jesus says this, and this is going beyond another level. He doesn't just send a gift to your friend who's hurt you or the person that really abused you. He says, pray for them. Wow. Pray for them. You see, what happens is when your measure increases, your parameters increase, your measure increases, your prayer list increases. If your measure increases, your prayer list increases. The way you pray, because do you know what generally we love to do? We love to pray for all our family and all the nice things. 
Go through all the things that are going to benefit us, all the people that loved us. Oh, Lord, I just pray for my, for my mum. I pray for my dad. I pray for my sister. I pray for all these people because I, I want to pray a blessing on them, what they're doing. And, oh, Lord, for those in missionaries out in this country. But very, very few of us will want to put on the prayer list, I pray for that person that absolutely abused me this week. That they hurt me so much that I feel like everything has just shocked through my body. That everything is hurt inside of me. No, I'm going to put them on the prayer list. Why? Because when you change your measure and parameters, you'll increase your prayer list. It'll increase it. The measure of your list will get bigger. God wants to do that in everyone in this room. If the worship team want to come back, that would be great. There's power beyond your pain. There's power beyond your pain. I said it earlier on that Do you know what? There's nothing. Listen to me. There are some people right now in this room, people have hurt you, and you would question, how could they do that to me? There is nothing that anyone's done to you that you couldn't do yourself. Every person in this room is capable of doing something. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 3 verse 10, no one is righteous. Not one. Your righteousness is like filthy rags, the Bible says. In other words, every one of us falls short of the glory of God. So when you're looking and thinking of that person right now in your mind, it may be just one, it may be two, maybe three. I don't know. That person who hurt you. There's someone in this room today, I just sense the Holy Spirit say, there's someone in this room, you suffered abuse when you were younger. Serious abuse. Maybe that's a physical abuse that happened to you. Your father, it was a, a, young, a young lady, your father abused you. And you find that hard to forgive. You find that the wound is still there. It's still there. Some people in this room that your, your wife, your husband, they said some things to you, they hurt you. And you say, I don't know if I could, that is just, that's just took, took the limit. Listen to me. There's nothing that they can do to you that you're not capable of. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's power beyond your pain. If you get past the pain and you get to prayer, you start to pray for that person and believe that God is going to do something in your life and their life. You know, I've, I've done that. I started to push myself to pray for those who've hurt me so badly. And when I did... My heart changed. You see, I can spend some time soaking. I can spend some time singing worship and going to every meeting I want to go to and listen to sermon after sermon after sermon. But you've got to do it. You've got to do it. I, I've heard some great sermons. I've heard some great things that people have said to me. But ultimately, it takes action. And I've come to realize that The God who loved me so much, who died for me on the cross. He didn't look at me and say, Phil, you know, you've you've done some serious things. You've done some things that don't deserve my grace. Jesus loved me still and he loves you today. He loves you today. Do you know what I find amazing? I said it earlier that Jesus looked at the ones with the weapons in his hands, in their hands and realized I'm going to look with a perspective. I'm going to change my perspective and go beyond the perspective where I'm seeing because I love you. But do you know what he goes on to do? In Luke chapter 23, verse 34, he prays for them. He does what he's asking you to do. He doesn't just look at them with a different perspective. His actions are not just, I'm going to suffer and take this persecution and I'm going to love on you. He then prays for his enemy. The very thing he asked you to do, he did it himself. Do you know on the cross, the Gospels say that Jesus spoke seven times whilst on the cross. Spoke seven times across the Gospels. And in those seven times or seven instances, I I looked at uh, 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 the information about the science of crucifixion. And the reality is that the diaphragm of Jesus' body, when he was hung on the cross, for every time that he wanted to take an an inhale and to breathe in, and he needed to breathe, he needed to push on his feet that were, had the nail in. He had to push on his feet. 
So every time he did that and he wanted to speak, he needed to push on the nail. The nail that was driven into his feet. So to pray was painful. To speak was painful. For every time he spoke in all seven times and he gave his breath to even think about praying for the ones who were hurting him, he had to push himself to pray. And I want to say to you today, the love of God was displayed on the cross. Some people say, what has God done for me? What has God done for me? I'll tell you what he did. 2,000 years ago, he sent his son to die on a cross for you to suffer the death that you deserve. And there's forgiveness in this room today for every person who wants to receive it. But also he calls you today that if you want to be blessed, you need to show love and mercy to others. Amen. Come on, let's just stand. When I was studying this this week and putting this message together, there's one sentence that really stood out to me. It's not one I've read in Luke chapter 6, which is looking at the same context of this. And it sums it up in, in just a few words. Luke 6.35 says this, God, that God, He, is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. He's kind. Do you know what? I read that and I think he's not just kind and loving and came to die for people who want a nice church meeting. He's kind and loving to the ones who are ungrateful who don't even want it. Didn't even want him. And he's kind to the ones who are wicked. If he's kind to the wicked, if he's kind to those who are ungrateful, then I'm going to be kind to everyone, no matter what they do. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, We would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.